Okay, but once again, though, let's get back on subject here. Mike Valeni is your father figure. No, he is not. You love Valenti. Like, remember you were swaggerjacking some of his his bits. That's who you get your swag off of. Not a father figure. Let us be your sports father figure on our podcast with swag on SoundCloud and iTunes at WHUTs after further review. After further review, as this is one of Frank's favorite songs. Do not listen to him. He is selling you snake oil. We don't sell snake oil, but we provide an entertaining and thought-provoking sports show on 88.3 WXUT. Saturdays from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. And sometimes we provide a life lesson. Ain't that right, Frank? Life lesson, my ass. Don't be a hater. And tune in to AFR Saturday mornings, 11 to 1 on WXUT. We're back here on 88.3 WTs. After further review, it's myself and David, the man of God, Harris. Frank Vashner, he had to step out away and uh, do some football, but we haven't been here for the last couple of weeks here in the studio, so you haven't been able to kind of watch us and everything like that. But we're back at it here, uh, going all the way to about 1.30, maybe 1.45 maybe. But then it looks like there's a new show right after us. It's Kicking It With Nay. Okay, It's supposed to be going on at at 2 o'clock. Actually, another blast from the past DJ. They used to be here at WXUT, Professor Z has Radio Gaga. It's on Tuesdays. Back to his old slot, too, on Tuesdays from 10 to 12 p.m. 10 p.m. to 12 p.m. So good to see good old Zach back in the um, in the saddle, so to speak, of the old studio chair with uh, Radio Gaga. At first, I thought it was going to be a remake of Radio Gaga, but it's actually the original because I saw that. And, you know, when we were at WXUT a long time ago, I think he graduated about five, six years ago. He had that show. It was pretty popular. And, uh, you know, I thought, well, is someone really doing a remix of that show? But no, he came back actually kind of went on hiatus and then came back to wxut to revive it so congratulations to him he's on tuesdays from uh, 10 to 12 p.m here on 88.3 wgt's toledo's only alternative but you're listening to, to after further review right after one of the best shows here on wxut's theme park with tim and vicky well we're gonna get into it here david the man of god harris he's gonna do his winners and losers and uh, David, uh, what we're going to do is, guess what? We always do this all the time. I love it. But we're going to play his nice CBS music. Mm-hmm. David, what's up, my man? And uh, let's go with the winners and losers. All right, winners and losers. We're going to stick primarily with just week six of the college football. Wait a minute, wait a minute, David, season. David, David, David. I cannot <laughs> believe this. They fixed the board where one of the auxes, you sound crystal clear, just like you're in the studio. I am shocked. Hey, well, I mean, all that money that they put into the studio, I mean, at least finally got the soundboard next. Right, 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 right. But the phones still don't work, though. But go ahead, David. Go ahead. <laughs> one, one thing at a time. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Baby steps, baby steps. All right, so speaking of baby steps, we'll get into our winners for... The college football or college football season, mm-hmm. week six, first winner Kentucky, one of those teams that you think about baby steps. I mean, they're probably going to have an NCAA violation in two years' time. 
<laughs> but, I mean, you're, really, but, uh, you're really hating on them, D. Because <laughs> I mean, they're winning, but, they must be cheating, like uh, good old Rick Patino or the old school uh, Calipari, as they say. Well, I mean, because usually when we're thinking about undefeated Kentucky, a team that's now ranked, you know, in the top 12, we're usually thinking about basketball. And True. rightfully so, because Kentucky True. is a basketball school. So to see Kentucky football and the SEC in particular and the SEC East, which this year is the, arguably it's like neck and neck in terms of competitive toughness with the SEC West. Right. For them to be right there, you know, we're recording this right before college football, Kentucky versus Georgia. Right. Like, which I believe is the SEC game of the week, isn't it? Yeah, game of the week, college game days there mm-hmm. yeah, in so, between the hedges right that's why we play in this uh, uh music the cbs sports network it's usually the sec sport um game of the week but also uggas dog doghouse and everything there so yeah this should be a really good game keep going yeah i mean it's just kind of think about their success undefeated i mean obviously you got to give them props like if you're in the sec you have to do some kind of with georgia and alabama mm-hmm. But you know, congratulations! Them. They're they're riding this high. They're probably going to get it. Maybe they pull the upset today between the hedges. You never know; anything can happen. And yeah, well, just well, congrats. I'm I'm looking at this, and, and with their, their last five opponents this year, Kentucky beat Florida, which was at the time uh, Florida was number ten. I was shocked by that one because normally this is when they kind of you know mess up. But they beat Mizzou thirty five twenty eight. They ended up beating um, UTC, I think, Tennessee, Chattanooga, Chattanooga. 28-23. So it's not like they've been really killing people. I mean, uh, Louisiana Monroe, 45-10. South Carolina, 16-10. 20-13 over Florida. And that was at Kentucky. Then they beat LSU, which is uh, a train wreck. So they've been playing some train wrecks. You know, LSU, South Carolina, Florida, good win. Chattanooga, too little, too close for my taste. Missouri, since they've gone to the SEC, they've they've had some good years when Gary Pinkle was there, but not in much. And then you know Louisiana Monroe, Friday. huh? Yeah. So these, Go ahead. Yeah, these next two back to back, you know, add Georgia and then Halloween State. weekend at Mississippi State. Mm-hmm. Like those will be two tough games on the road. So I think that I think that they'll split. I think that they'll lose Georgia and beat Mississippi State. Really? Um, okay, but I, I they split those. I mean, seven and one for a Kentucky football team. The rest of the schedule, they could be a one loss team, and they're only lost to Georgia, who's number one ranked team in the country. That's an argument for, eh, depending on what happens with Georgia, Alabama. You could have a one loss Kentucky team. Like, hey, we should be a top six top five team in the country how can i ask you like, this yeah can i ask you this let's say kentucky loses to georgia but runs the gamut runs the table they got mississippi state tennessee vanderbilt which vander don't uh new mexico state and louisville they're at louisville okay let's say they run the gamut they only have one loss should they be in the college football playoff if it was eight teams yes not not a four hmm Okay. Not a four, not a six. I think. Let's say this: Georgia knocks off Alabama, and Kentucky's a one-loss team. 
does Kentucky get in? I mean, we we saw Alabama could have like two losses and they'll find that, a way to put them that, in. That's what like, I'm saying. That's what I'm getting at is that this this is this 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 rigotry of the college football playoff. It's all we all know. It's a popularity contest. It's not a really true playoff. That's why I think they just just expanded. Get rid of these crappy flea bag bowl games. Go to a 16 team playoff and call it a day. If you don't make the playoff, well, you had a great season. Too bad. You know, we don't. I mean, I think the idea is too antiquated with the bowl games. I think it's just something to, so people can feel good about themselves. You get a one extra game. You get to leave on on the university's dime or whatever. You get to kick it, and then you go to you know, you do whatever. So I, I think that's what they should because to me this is this is this how is this even fair? Let's I mean, say Kentucky. Let's say Kentucky probably beats Georgia. Let's say they go undefeated, and then Georgia ends up beating Alabama. Alabama has two losses. Georgia has one loss. Let's say Kentucky. Well, no, Kentucky that wouldn't really work out because somehow Kentucky would be in the SEC championship game when they over Georgia, right? Yeah, if they if yeah. they beat Georgia, they're they're going to Atlanta. Well, let's say they lose to Georgia. One loss, run the gamut, then Georgia beats Alabama. Then what? Even though Kentucky is in the SEC, let's let's face it, they're not one of the sexy teams. They're just not. I mean, like you said before the segment started, they're a basketball school. Nobody really looks at Kentucky football. And Kentucky football's had a little bit of success. A little bit. But everyone knows. Usually they, they knock off the the lower teams in the SEC, maybe knock off some of their non-conference opponents, and then when they play the, the, some of the better teams, either in the cross divisions or just you know maybe a Florida or something like that, they ended up losing. This year they ended up beating Florida. They're 4-0. Good for them. Um, but, yeah, now what? No congratulations on this star. You know, the star, crazy season. Mm-hmm. You know, one, the, one landmark season season for the NCAA would be around with the investigation into impermissible benefits oh, even though it's David, with the NIL. You think, are you think that, that they're cheating? That's why they're winning now? Why is it that I when mean, someone gets their, gets their wins up, maybe they just built the culture of the program. Maybe last year they were young and then they came in here. Why, is it got, why do you got to assume that they're cheating? I mean, because usually like 10, 15 years we find out that they are <laughs> because it's usually these smaller schools that, like you said, so, we don't so think Alabama's about Alabama's been cheating. I mean, we know that they just they just always win, so we they don't have the investigation. Oh, okay. I mean, so we, after we a don't while, know there's you... a reason why Alabama gets all these five star recruits. I mean, think about this: before Nick Saban got there, Alabama was the program was falling apart. I mean, it was. You know, it, you know, it, it was getting to the, you know, Bear Bryant was pretty much rolling in his grave. Gene Stallings had at least one foot in the grave watching some of that bad Alabama football before Saban got there. But then now that they've been dominant for so many years, nobody just questions them. But then Kentucky comes out here, the little guy, and all of a sudden now, yeah, they're cheating. Well, I mean, same thing, you know, I was. I was watching the Clemson Syracuse game at the Dome yesterday. Uh-huh. Oh, you was, went to that like, game? Clemson. No, I, I didn't go because I'm not spending a couple hundred dollars on tickets right. for Clemson. Right. And I mean, Clemson is trash this year, and everyone was <laughs> getting ready to fire Davo Swinney. Had it not been for you know, at least the media up here saying it's Zeno Babers' fault. You know, I think that's a lot of BS, but that's a whole other segment. But I mean, Davo Swinney, like they're struggling to beat Syracuse. Well, they lost to Syracuse one year. So are you surprised? Maybe. 
No, I, I think it's... Didn't they lose? Kind of they, they lost to Dino Babers one year, didn't they? Yeah. That's what I thought. Yeah, but I mean, this this year, kind of, if you're thinking about this Clemson, Clemson team, that's the way that they're built, mm-hmm. everyone was saying, oh, you know, coming off, oh, you lose Trevor Lawrence, oh, you lose um, uh, CJ... No, not Spiller. Um, uh, Travis, that's Man, you said CJ Spiller way I was back. Like, I'm, you going back to your college days. I mean, that, honestly, before this last round of kind of high-talented recruits, mm-hmm. that's when we were like thinking about Clemson middle of the road. And now Clemson is really, like, they play like a middle-of-the-road team. Yeah, that's true. And now, like, even after the game last night, People were trying to fire Dabo Swinney because the offense isn't that. You know, <laughs> we went off of a lucky field goal because Syracuse's field goal kicker missed. Mm-hmm. It's like you get some of those things where are people going to say that Clemson, you know, was seen because now that they don't have the recruits, they look mortal and like they're back to normal now? You could, you could arguably say that, yeah, Clemson did some questionable stuff. And it got them that kind of five minutes of success. But when you really look at, kind of, is Clemson a good football team? You don't have this big of a pitfall just because of a quarterback and a running back leaving. You just don't. That 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 is true. I I feel you on that one, uh, David. Keep going. All right, continuing in the college football, um, the Red River Shootout. We actually saw a little bit of. High flying between Oklahoma and Texas. Mm-hmm. That game was just back and forth, reminiscent of some of those old school days, back when Oklahoma and Texas actually mattered in college football. Like both schools <laughs> actually mattered in the sport. That is true. Um, and for kind of a neutral like me, it was a great game. If you're a fan of Oklahoma or Texas, you probably had 19,000 different heart attacks. <laughs> Texas blowing it, um, but. David, you you fell out. Back, you know. Hey, repeat, your, for another. repeat yourself a little bit. You you actually went out a little bit. All right, so so if you're if you're a Texas fan, you're probably not firing your head coach, even though you probably should be because you lost uh, the hot hand Caleb Williams, who is apparently the next great star quarterback sensation. Right now, people but, are saying that. You know, Okay. Yeah, that Spencer Rattler should transfer because now he's not a team. But yeah, yeah, so Spencer Rattler's not as good as I've, I've been, I haven't really seen. I haven't really been able to dissect that, but I've heard that everyone was talking about Spencer Rattler. But then some of the people were saying like this year's draft for quarterbacks is not the greatest, and Spencer Rattler is now I guess being a little exposed this season. Yeah, he's definitely not that. Like the rust has really like gone off for sure. Like people are saying, Oh, he's probably gonna be in a situation where he lost his job fairly and you gotta move on to the better quarterback, which people in camp or people around Oklahoma circles will say is the Caleb Williams freshman, but we'll see. Um switching to the pro game, the Arizona Cardinals, who yes, I know, I know. I thought they would be in the basement of the NFC West. Uh-huh. The last team 
still not 100% impressed, but at the end of the day, wins are wins. Mm-hmm. So you have to you have to give them credit for that. I give them a little credit. Mm-hmm. Still don't think Kyler Murray is really that good. He still makes a lot of mistakes and still plays really pedestrian. Mm-hmm. That's just that's just looking at the game film. Um, and people without blinders could easily see that, mm-hmm. even in this game last week. But, you know, I'll, they win. They did what they have to do. Right. Uh, and then the last winner, Lamar Jackson. Like, this... For everyone that said that this guy should be a wide receiver in, co- in the NFL, I, I just want you to just think about how ridiculous that sounds right now. Like, Lamar, Lamar Jackson is amazing. Right. Just play, like, even when you're up two or three touchdowns, he's, him and basically Patrick Mahomes, you can't stop them. Because they will find ways to make you regret having to watch them come back. Right. Because when they come back, it's glory. Mm-hmm. Uh, switching over to the losers from this past weekend. I know people are going to you know, say, oh, this is why, you know, they deserved it. But, I mean, Alabama lost. We mm-hmm. get it. Teams are supposed to lose in college. True. Because if you if you don't lose, then you don't then you won't have the ability to really go to that next level. You won't have that drive to say, hey, we need to improve in these facets. Because when you keep winning, you think that you can just keep doing the same thing over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. And expecting to just, hey, we're Alabama. We're just gonna walk onto the field and beat this team and there's nothing that you can do to stop it. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, it was a late, you know, game-winning field goal that did it. But there is still um, there's still some rooms for improvement. Right. And so, if you're thinking as an Alabama fan, yes, you're going to be PO'd playing kind of the rest of the way. I feel bad for Mississippi State today because they're just going to get a slapping like it's. It's going to be ugly. Mm-hmm. But it's also, this is re- this is resiliency. Mm-hmm. Now, do I think that they're the fifth best team in the country? Absolutely not. That's complete BS. We all know that. But now we're going to see Alabama bounce back. And I think that they're going to run the table. Like, they're still going to be in the college football playoff. Let's just be clear. Mm-hmm. But, but, yeah, Alabama for now. For now, are licking their wounds and getting ready to dominate over a team in Mississippi State that I, again, feel sorry for. Mm-hmm. Uh, another loser for me, University of Iowa fans. Mm-hmm. You're the number, th- at the time, third best team in the country. Why are you storming the field against a team that is ranked lower than you? Right. Like, like I, I know we talked about it before, and you know my thing about it's one thing if you're Kansas to storm the field right. when you haven't won a game <laughs> in forever. It's an it's one thing if you're, you know, UMass to storm the field because you haven't won in forever. You are an undefeated, third-ranked team in the country, and you have a victory 
over the fourth ranked team in the country that was out their starting quarterback. Why are you storming the field? Like, that defies any kind of logic. I know, you know, I'll, I'm not going to say that, you know, some kids in Iowa really aren't that, you know, bright in the head. That, 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 that's not logical to storm the field when you're a higher ranked team. But yes, it's a night game. Yes, you're excited about getting a top a win over a top five program. But like you're you're supposed to be better than this. Mm-hmm. Like we always say, you got this when you when you have a chance to celebrate, you should celebrate. Yeah, I mean it's not even though as though like they blew out Penn State. It was a field goal game mm-hmm. against again a team that didn't have their starting quarterback. I mean, yes, it's what, I, I don't know. I'm just not a, like, if it's an upset, then yes, I feel like you should celebrate. But is beating a team one, like, ranked one lower than you and also undefeated really that big of an upset? Mm-hmm. No, that's not like, really a, no. Like, like, honestly, like, I hope I will lose this at Camp Randall so that Wisconsin can storm the field and rightfully so. I really hope that happens so that Iowa fans know like hey this is how you celebrate this is an appropriate reason to storm the field by beating the then number two ranked team in the country but again rankings at this point really don't matter because are they really the second best team in the country? Probably not. Uh, Switching over to the Pro game, the Cleveland Browns. It's good when you guys boast, because because it's hilarious when you guys just fall from grace. Wait, so are you saying this because you're a Steelers fan? You're trying to hate? Because it seems like I, I'm I'm getting a lot of hate this morning. Uh, a little bit, what? but it's mainly because their quarterback came out here talking, saying, you know, this is going to be the year that Cleveland Browns are going to do stuff. Well, it's and still now, early, David. It's still early. We've only played like five games. But we only threw a quarter of the season. Yeah, but but the way that their quarterback was talking, saying that, you know, hey, you know, we're the hottest team. We're going to you know, run this division. You know, I'm I'm just saying. There's a lot of talking trash from the quarterback who's played pretty pedestrian over the past two weeks mm-hmm. if we're just going to be honest looked like cra- everyone looked like crap against in that Vikings Browns game which that was just god awful mm-hmm. then against the Chargers I mean part of it is questionable play calling that's a whole nother segment we can just get into the stupidity of play calling but just bad game management, and then yeah. So, right now you're sitting at three and two, kind of two two playoff caliber teams that you played, you lost, mm-hmm. both because of questionable play by your quarterback and decision making from your offensive coordinator and staff. Yes, you beat the Texans. Who eh, they're the Texans. You beat the Bears at the time when they were in the midst of the quarterback change. And then you beat the god-awful Vikings in the game that literally no one wanted to win. Hmm. 
So now we'll see against, you know, an Arizona Cardinals team, last undefeated. You don't have Nick Chubb. So you're down one half of arguably the best two, two-headed combo of um, running backs in this league. Mm-hmm. It's gonna it's gonna be interesting. I don't know if it's gonna be kind of a reality come back to earth moment, but Cleveland Browns just ha- just struggling, and this this is supposed to be. Kind How's of a, really struggling uh, though? If if they lost to a really good uh, a Los Angeles Chargers team, because we talked we talked about it on the show before. When, like, you play these teams in the season that you know are going to be teams that you play the playoff, what an, like, I don't want to say that you put your best foot forward, but it seems like in both of those games, there were some red flags and warning signs. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, kind of, it's okay when you're able to have some of those warning signs masked over. Because your defense is able to play well. Right. And so you don't have to kind of be in, I don't want to say like panic mode, but you don't have to have cost. But in close games, which both of the losses have been, those small little details, those finite things, add, add up and can be a role. In the, like, it may not make sense. To think about, you know, oh, do you let Austin Eckler score that touchdown so that you can get the ball and have a chance to win? Do you just let, knowing that he's trying to kill clock, but you let him score? Like, one of those things. Do you go for the two-point conversion? Do you make some of those questionable decisions on third and fourth down throughout the game? Like, those are things that, if we're seeing them in October, then... There's a strong likelihood that we'll also see them in December, January, when you're thinking about those critical times where every every decision matters, mm-hmm. and it's amplified because it matters. Right. And then the the last loser for me, field goal, just kickers in general. Why? It seems like and, always the kicker is always the loser, always gets picked on. Yeah, and I mean, usually, like we've talked about in the show over the years, do we are kickers actually considered football players? Deserve to be, you know, like have all the weight on them, and like I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna just limit it to the fact that I had to watch the Packers and Bengals, and I was away from just driving to Cincinnati and just kicking the field goal myself. Mm-hmm. Um. But kickers often are in some of those high-pressure situations and, you know, missing what for a lot of a lot of them were chip shot field goals. You see kickers mixing extra points over this past weekend Mm -hmm. or these quote unquote gimme field goals. And that's got to stink because your literally one job is to kick a football through these uprights. Right. I mean, during that round robin where no one wanted to kick a field goal in the entire uh, city of Cincinnati, I mean, 
he kicked it, you know, Mc, I think it's McPherson or McFarland, mm-hmm. um, kicked it and hit hit the flags on the top of the, like, do you know how hard it is to actually hit the flags on the top of a field goal post and the ball not go in? Like, that's height. Right. And, like, they have incredible skill, and it's just, when it misses, or in the case of that game, when they miss over and over and over again, mm-hmm. people start to, you know, rightfully so, criticize and demean and bemoan kickers, and then it becomes a, you know, conversation that people have. Like, hey, why are kickers out here on the field? What's happening? Right. So, I, I just felt bad for kickers because they had rough, those two in particular, Crosby and McPherson, um, had rough weeks last week. But mm-hmm. that that's the job. So it's just kind of like LeBron says, be better, be better tomorrow. Yeah, that is true. Yeah, that is well, that's some words to live by. Always be better tomorrow. Yeah. So, and with that, that is my winners and losers from this past week of football action. From action, but I gotta ask you this: What is there was a big time loser, and that is Gruden and the Raiders. You didn't even mention that. Well, I mean, at at this point, like, there's there's winners, losers. Like, he's underneath the loser. Like, he gets all the game show horns. Like, he, he gets, like, 20 minutes of game shows. Like, like, my my thing is, her and I were said at that. Don't press send. Mm-hmm. Like, like, if you have those thoughts, and this is why people say all the time, like, if you have something derogatory... Obviously, the first thing is just don't say it because you should change your mindset and be better, like be a better person so that you don't think these things instinctively. But we know, you know, you know, rich old white men in power that have billions and billions of dollars, they don't give two two bleeps about what anyone else thinks. They got the money. (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, so part of me understands kind of all these emails back and forth because at the time John Gruden's with you know the mothership you know untouchable hottest commodity the whole Washington football team which still we're still trying to figure out how Dan Snyder is just oblivious and is exempt from any kind of punishment from any of this happening mm-hmm. so that's a whole nother how is John Gruden taking the fall and getting more punishment than the owner mm-hmm. like we know Bruce Allen's already kind of taken the fall and gotten his marching orders. But yeah, it's, it's just a bad situation. And at the same time, like it sucks that he has those thoughts and it's even more disheartening that in retrospect, he hasn't shown a glimpse of remorse or apologizing for any of his actions. Right. No one, it seems like the only person that had any kind of response and people kind of had their own opinions about the response mm-hmm. was Adam Schefter being linked to it because of, you know, him potentially. And I think doing journalistic, journalistically unintegrable things mm-hmm. with kind of shooting this article past the owner for review edit just to make sure it saves face. Like, those are the things that, like, you can at least try to 
explain and say, here's what happened. Like, like, like Gavin Schachter did. Like, here's what happens. Here's the situation. I did what I did. You know, in retrospect, it was probably not the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. But we can at least hear that side. Like, I don't think there is like another side to John Gruden's comments about Dee Murray Smith, about Roger Goodell, about any of the stuff controversially that was happening with the Washington program, particularly going back to the cheerleaders and sharing the photos and images of this uh, cheerleaders, which is a whole nother, like there are so many layers to this that I really wish that the NFL would stop BSing and saying that there's no one else that is directly tied to these emails. Because right. if you can find out of 65,000 emails a couple that mention John Gruden's name, like you know that there are others involved. Mm-hmm. There's no way that in an email server from someone that high up in an or- one of your organizations that there aren't other owners. You already try to you know, say that Jeff Pash is who's in charge of or who is directly attached and hot owned from employee of the NFL itself mm-hmm. like he's involved in that he, they try to rub, rub his name out like oh no he's just you know he emailed just buddy buddy friends like there's other people attached to this like this scandal is not going away and for the NFL to kind of hold on to these emails and say as if um well here's the thing it, it gets me is that it was what 650,000 emails right and somehow Gruden's only are the ones that get released. Here's my here's here's my question. Things get leaked because they want them to get leaked. Why did they get leaked? To me, I think it wasn't going right or it wasn't going good in um, in Oakland or in, in Las Vegas. They started out in Oakland. In Las Vegas, he signed one of the richest contracts for a coach. 10 years, $100 million contract, and I believe a lot of it's guaranteed. And so, let's see here. We got to get, we got, you can't just fire them. I mean, the last few years, they've started out really good and then they've just plummeted. And there was also rumors that he, he wasn't getting along with players. I mean, obviously, the Bears got Khalil Mack because for some odd reason, Gruden didn't like him. And it was always rumbling. I think we've heard this that the there was always rumblings that certain players Gruden didn't get along with. And, and some of those players were outspoken African-American players. And, you know, sometimes people would get suspicious about that. And with that being said, I kind of think these were leaked. He gets under a moral clause that releases the Raiders from basically paying him anything. If there is a moral clause in the contract, I'm not sure I have to look that up. But the fact of the matter is, out of 650,000 emails, and this was an investigation against the Washington football team and Dan Snyder. How is it that only emails from John Gruden are released and they never released the replies to his emails? I think that's kind of suspicious, but I don't know. That Maybe that's just me. No, it's, it's definitely kind of even looking at some of the reports about just surrounding 
the timelines and when the NFL became aware mm-hmm. of this continent information. So what did they do to either cover it up or kind of hide behind kind of red tape and try to do damage control? Like, if you really think about it, kind of a couple, I think it was a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. um, or maybe even earlier this past year, there were a lot of executives from the Las Vegas Raiders that resigned just kind of willy-nilly out of the blue. And people are like, oh, that happens, you know. Wonder what's happening with that. So it's like, did teams kind of get ahead of this and kind of re- quote-unquote resign so that they weren't current or active employees with these organizations so that they couldn't get the amount of public eye that John Gruden has because of the emails. Right. And it's um like do I think that the league will publicly re- publicly release what's in those six hundred fifty thousand plus emails? Probably not because no. they're gonna to try to wash it and make sure that they frame it and can screw it and do all that, you know, marketing PR thing to make sure that the league uh is as less responsible and has minimal culpability and accountability as possible. Because they're, they're willing to, you know, let Dean Marie Smith get thrown out of the mob. Like, no one said anything with John Gruden's like, comments about Dean Marie, Marie Smith first came out. It was like, right. oh, you know, racist trope, racist trope. You know, where's the protection? You say... You know, the thought of an expletive before we even knew what the expletive was about Roger Goodell, whoop, he's got to go. Like, (laughs) if you say something against the commish. Like, the commission, then obviously, with his comments about the LGBTQ community, like. And women. (laughs) Yeah. Like, it's like, say something about, you know, an African American who is the majority of your team. Mm hmm. You know. He said stuff about gays and, and Nasser, who's one of the offensive linemen that's openly gay as well. Yeah, it, it was yeah. ugly. It, it, it was some really ugly emails. Like, like, and I, and I understand that people are probably even listening to this now and saying, oh, you know, well, that was back when, you know, 2011 to 2018, you know, mm-hmm. different times. I mean, hate is hate. Mm-hmm. Bigotry is still bigotry, whether... It's 10 years ago, three years ago, like, like, at least, like, at least accept responsibility. And it seemed like John Gruden has not yet accepted responsibility for that. Instead of trying, he's trying to run away from it, Mm -hmm. even though he's already been like washed through all the mud. Buccaneers took his name out of their ring of honor. He got taken out of Madden. I, I guess here's like, my question with this. The stuff that he did was deplorable and despicable. But does that really affect his what he's accomplished on the football field? I mean, let's, let's, let, let, let's be honest. There's people that are in all types of sports hall of fame and everything that did despicable stuff. And they still get honored. But yet, we're getting to this point now where you're just, well, let's get rid of him. Are you really getting rid of him? because it looks bad for you or are you getting rid of him because it's still deplorable? Because think about this. 
Tampa Bay Buccaneers are getting rid of him out of their Hall of Fame. Let's be honest. Let's let's, let's keep it 100. People knew what type of person behind closed doors John Gruden was and what type of person he can be. I mean, it's all over. So now his true colors come out and all of a sudden, up, 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 we're getting rid of him from the ring of honor. But you've probably known that John Gruden's been this probably closeted bigot for years. So now why all of a sudden, why not try to erase him from your, your, your history? You might as well just keep him up there. You knew. I mean, come on, let's face it. Eventually people show their true colors. I've always learned in life, but, but usually there's one or two people or there's some others that know what you're really all about while others might not listen or there's something that are used car salesmen that can, you know, you, you, you've, you've seen this before. You hear rumors about a person and everyone, I understand. Sometimes some, some rumors are illicit. Sometimes you have to understand you can't judge a person by rumors. You just got to judge them by the way they treat you. But the Buccaneers knew he worked for the organization that he was probably a closeted bigot like this. This just didn't just happen. It wasn't like he was in Tampa Bay. They won the football games. And by the way, he won with Tony Dungy's team. We'll, we'll, we'll tell him that. Played against the Raiders team. Knew everything they were going to do. So he got kind of lucky with that Super Bowl. But you knew what kind of guy this guy was. Now all of a sudden, oh yeah, we got to get got to take him out of the Ring of Honor. Come on. You're not doing it because you probably genuinely feel like uh, remorseful or feel that, this, that, 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 that he has bad character. You're doing it because you're trying to save your behind and saying, we don't know that guy. Sweep it under the rug. Well, yeah, and kind of even thinking that if these emails kind of started in 2011, John wasn't even affiliated with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers back then. He wasn't affiliated like, with anyone. He was a, he was a yeah. broadcaster. Yeah, like he was in the booth. Like he was long on past. So I think it is a lot of kind of looking at the optics of the situation. And we see a lot of teams do this, kind of with the optics of, oh, something comes out that's kind of demoning character and talking about someone's kind of moral compass, then they want to kind of remove some of those images, accolation, those marks of achievement from him. So I think that they were just kind of, as an organization, trying to save face, Have our coaches try, you know, come out and say, oh, you know, this is a shame, this is you know, disappointing. Obviously, some of the former players' comments, we think about kind of Keyshawn Johnson and Randy Moss. Keen, no, Keyshawn Johnson and um, talking about kind of how we thought you know, he was two faced and kind of, kind of a used car salesman using that line. So, yeah, it is a lot of kind of trying to, trying to, Keep absolved themselves from Dan and his achievements in retrospect. Which I know there are some people, even when that first started, when that happened, both the Ring of Honor and uh, removing from Madden, they're like, well, why do you have Warren Saps up there? Why is he still up there? It's like trying to deflect from the current situation trying to like pull others in like onto the sinking ship you know 
pardon the pun, but it's like, I, I, what happened, David? You're, you're going in and out. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm just trying to think like, I like know why people are saying that, you know, revisionist. Oh, well, if you get rid of, um, if you get rid of John Gruden, then what about all these other players? Why why is like the Warren Sapp still in your ring of honor? Mm-hmm. But I think Tampa Bay, like if the time comes for them to kind of revisit Warren Sapp, they will. But right now, and you look at some of the op-eds and editorials in Tampa Bay, like they're all like, yeah, you should, you know, get rid of... Um, John Gruden's legacy away from the organization and franchise because of this. But well, it, it, it's really interesting. Yeah, it's definitely not. Um, probably not gonna be the first time that we hear about kind of something like this because we know that there's going to be. Um, there's going to be other per- persons that come up in these emails. Yeah, and, like, and, and it's going to be, it, well, who they want to let be known who's doing the emails. That's what's going to happen. Yeah, I can see that happening. Because, let's face it, if, if it's someone that's prominent, they'll they'll keep it close. Like I said, I think it's very fishy that you inter- you're investigating the Redskins, or excuse me, the Washington football team, and Dan Snyder. 650,000 emails and you supposedly just pick out John Gruden don't even tell us the replies because let's face it he wouldn't be saying this stuff I mean if if, if you're like that and you're in the closet about that you're not willy nilly saying stuff like that to people that you don't really know because you don't know who you're going to offend so who was on the end of these emails that he thought he'd be comfortable enough to say stuff like that to. That person had to be comfortable enough with him saying that derogatory stuff or at least agree with him or see his perspective. Those are the names that need to be released, and it's kind of interesting they're not releasing those names and their responses to his emails. Yeah, it's, this is just the beginning of a kind of a snowball effect, and a lot of people are saying that, you know, who is going to... Who are the next in line to really feel this domino effect and fall? So it, it's going to be interesting to see. Yeah, it will be interesting to see. Well, good winners and losers. I just had to get that John Gruden thing in there. Uh, coming up next, the, the, it looks like the feed went down. I don't, Facebook's always changing stuff. That's what just really irritates me. Um, coming up next, um, World Cup qualifying recap, I guess, because you already went over why Bama was good for them losing. Uh, we did the John Gruden. So, yeah, World Cup qualifying recap. You got that, man. What's got, what's up, What's on deck for that? Yeah, so U- U.S. has played six games so far, and I don't want to say it's time to press the panic button, but <laughs> is it a guarantee that we'll make it to Qatar? I mean, we'll make it, but eh, not too happy about it. This is men, right? This is the men. Okay. All right. Well, when we return, we'll talk a little other football or soccer as we like to call it here in the states but make sure you always check out 88.3 wgt's after further review on soundcloud and itunes 
Make sure you just subscribe to the shows. And when we upload our segments like this one, which was really a good one, David Harris's Winners and Losers, you can listen to it on your iPad, iPhone, or on an Android device. You either go to SoundCloud and listen to us there, or just subscribe to us in the podcast off your iPad, off your iPod, or or iPhone, and just listen to us in the car or something like that. And then if you don't like the show, you just just keep it moving. But you know, if you do like the show, give us five stars, and uh, we'll keep up with the great content. Uh, great content. When we return, talk a little bit about the uh, U.S. national men's team and their qualifying um, for the World Cup. That and more here on 88.3 WGTs after further review. We'll be back after this.